Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. The unfortunate as well can boast and extol themselves with better grace than the fortunate, For the fortunate are felt to already be laying their hands on glory, as it were, and taking their pleasure of it in gratification of their pride. But the unfortunate, far removed from their ambition by their plight, are looked on as bravely enduring ill fortune, shoring up their courage and rejecting all appeals to pity and all whining and self-abasement in adversity. That's Plutarch again from his treatise, How to Praise Oneself Inoffensively. I'm Alex Petkus. You're listening to The Cost of Glory, where it is our mission to retell the lives of the great Greek and Roman heroes, and we take the ancient philosopher-biographer Plutarch as our guide. And The Cost of Glory is on a little summer slowdown, so it's another short episode today, but I'm going to share a few more lessons with you from this great little work that Plutarch wrote, which we touched on the last time. And so, in this episode a few more ways that you can praise yourself inoffensively. An important topic because it has to do with our reputation. And that is something that no gentleman can afford to ignore. And this is useful because, you know, generally we don't like it when people brag and praise themselves. But there are times when people do it anyway and they do it effectively. And we either don't really notice them doing it or think of it as self-praise, or or we don't mind, and we actually kind of like it. What are those cases? So if you're trying to do anything important, say, build something with your name attached to it, you should take those opportunities. If, that is, you can do it right. If you can do it inoffensively. So in this episode, I've got three more ways from Plutarch's treatise that you can praise yourself inoffensively. Um, so let's begin with that quote that I just read for you from the beginning, and I'll just, I'll just summarize its main point. Plutarch says, basically, one great context where it makes sense to praise yourself is when you are experiencing great misfortune. And he gives an example, the Athenian statesman Phocian. And so this guy Phocian is an Athenian politician. He lives... He's a contemporary of Demosthenes and Alexander the Great, and Plutarch did write a biography on him. So this is like the time that Athens has sort of transitioned from being a leading city of Greece to being a subordinate, possibly a vassal state of the Macedonians. And in in the ruckus that, that this all entailed, Phocian's enemies managed to prosecute him unjustly and essentially have him put to death. So that's the, that's the background. He's unjustly prosecuted by his enemies, 
even though he's a very honest and a good man, and he's not in, inclined to praise himself, but this was an opportunity. And so Plutarch says, again, Phocian, who was at other times of mild temper, gave after his condemnation many signs of his great spirit, notably when he said to one of those sentenced to die with him, who was lamenting and showing impatience, what's the matter, my good man? Are you not content to die with Phocian? And so he says, effectively, at least you get to die alongside a great man, such as myself. So isn't it right that when we suffer bad luck, we have a, a number of certain kinds of responses. We might think that we should feel ashamed. Uh, we might feel that we should get pity from people for our misfortune. We might feel like we should become more humble. But to praise yourself in those situations can show a certain kind of greatness and resolution. That's partly because the suffering that we're experiencing takes away all the envy and the resentment that people might otherwise feel towards you for praising yourself. And they see that, you know, instead of being downtrodden, that you're undaunted and then you, you have a resolute character. And that's actually really inspiring for people to see somebody bearing up against misfortune. And Plutarch gives another example. I'll just quote it for you here. He says, Thus Themistocles, this is the uh, Athenian statesman Themistocles, famous from his deeds in the Persian War. He's another biography that we'll get to. Thus Themistocles neither said nor did anything to provoke envy at the time of his successes. But when he saw that the Athenians had grown weary of him and indifferent, he did not hesitate to say, My innocent friends, why are you so tired of repeated benefits from the same hands. He means his own hands, of course. Continuing on here, and again at another time, he said to the Athenians, in a storm you take shelter with me as though under a tree, but in fair weather you pluck the leaves as you pass me by. So, Themistocles, so whenever you have bad luck, don't just think about all the things that you might have done, could have done, maybe avert that bad luck. Yes, you should learn your lesson. If there are any lessons, um, sometimes we bring bad luck upon ourselves, but sometimes bad luck is just bad luck. That don't forget to think on the things that you've done right. You could take a lesson from Themistocles and Phocian here. Don't be afraid to assert your accomplishments in the face of misfortune and injustice. You could start by asserting them to yourself. Okay, another example of how to praise yourself inoffensively is one we've seen in the Cost of Glory podcast already. So here's what Plutarch says, number two. Those who are forced to speak in their own praise are made more endurable by another procedure as well, not to lay claim to everything, but to disburden themselves, as it were, of honor, letting part of it rest with chance and part with God. And uh, he cites a few examples here, but here's the one that you may already be familiar with. He brings up Sulla. Sulla, the Roman general that we've covered on this podcast. Sulla, too, got rid of envy by always praising his luck, eventually proclaiming himself the fortunate. For men would rather be bested by luck than by merit, feeling that in the first event, another had an advantage. Like an unfair advantage, he means. And in the second, when you're bested by merit, 
that the failure lies in themselves and is their own doing, end quote. So Plutarch is basically saying when we get beaten by someone else's good luck, we feel somehow it doesn't reflect poorly on ourselves. Somebody had an unfair advantage. But when someone beats us fair and square, it's somehow more demoralizing. And so this is one reason why you should thank luck or maybe God or the gods for your success. And Sulla did this a lot, right? Like he used to say that the things that he did kind of uh, without planning, randomly as it were, shooting from the hip, to paraphrase, that those went better than the things that those those went better for him. Those went better for him than the things that he planned out because that was a way for him to attribute his success to fortune. And he did this in other ways. He was a very publicly pious man. He attributed a lot of his success to the, the favor of the gods. And he didn't think that that took away from his accomplishments at all. I mean, this is a really interesting take on why Sulla was actually so successful and how he was able to avoid this arch enemy of greatness in the Greek mind. And that is envy, resentment. The, the Greek word is phonos, this emotion that the people who are close to great people tend to feel because they resent them for being number one. And Sulla was really beloved in his day by the people that he, that were on his side at least, that he won, and he won over a lot of people to his side. He did. And this had a lot to do, in Plutarch's view, with, with his strategy of giving credit and glory to God. It, it diffused a lot of this ill will that inevitably attaches to people who get really successful. Okay, so a third and final way to praise yourself is when you get into a situation where you get a compliment. And this is kind of subtle, but I like it. So what you can do is correct the compliment, adjust the compliment. You can restate what you're really proud of. And Plutarch says that this works particularly well with fair-minded people. And so here's an example from the Athenian statesman Pericles. And uh, Plutarch, of course, wrote a biography of Pericles. He's a famous, famous statesman. We'll get to him soon. He says, consider the saying of Pericles, His friends, we are told, lamented as he lay dying, and they were disconsolate. He's dying of the great plague of Athens that Thucydides describes. So they're disconsolate, recalling his commands and power and the many trophies, victories, and cities he had won and left to Athens. Rallying for a moment, so he kind of gets up out of bed, he rebuked them for extolling what many others had done as well, and what was in part the work of fortune rather than of merit. While they passed over the noblest and greatest encomium and his alone, that no Athenian for any act of his had put on mourning. End quote. And so what, what Plutarch means is that, or what Pericles meant, is that he never had his political enemies executed. Of course, he, you know, was responsible for war and such, but, and, you know, Athenians died in those situations, but nobody ever... Uh, died as a result of Pericles' policy uh, of, of his enemies. You know, this was kind of almost expected of top Athenian politicians in his day. And, you know, we saw this example just before with Phocian. Um, 
there are many ways to get your enemies killed in Athens, and we'll get to those at some point. So this is a great strategy for kind of uh, shifting the focus onto what you think, on, onto the, the qualities that you think you should be known for. And it's a way of saying, you know, giving credit to others, saying, well, my, the many things that people praise me for are, you know, I don't do them better than so-and-so, maybe so-and-so even does a better job of it. But it, but it gives you an opportunity to, to, to kind of define the qualities that you want to be known for, to praise yourself in those situations by adjusting the praise. And this works with fair-minded people, according to Plutarch. So there's another one. And, uh, all right, another example, a similar example, is from a guy named Agathocles that Plutarch gives. And, and Agathocles is a tyrant of Syracuse. And we actually met Agathocles in the life of Pyrrhus because King Pyrrhus of Epirus married Agathocles' daughter. As a matter of fact, he uh, his marriage with Agathocles' daughter was kind of the reason how he got involved in the Western Greek states and eventually with Rome story that we've already told on another occasion. So, But here's Plutarch on Agathocles praising himself. And he says, And in general, when faults not altogether degrading or ignoble are set down beside the praise, they do away with envy. Many people also blunt the edge of envy by occasionally inserting into their own praise a confession even of poverty and indigence, or actually of low birth. Thus, when Agathocles at a banquet was presenting the young men with cups of enchased gold, I guess he's talking about cups with, you know, gold leaf uh, embossed, you know, expensive gold cups, let's say. He ordered also earthen cups to be brought and said, You see what perseverance, diligence, and courage can do. I once fashioned cups of clay. I now fashion them of gold. So that's Agathocles. And, uh, you know, he used to be a potter, and then he, he rose to become the, the tyrant, the, the ruler of the greatest city of Western Greece, maybe the greatest city of Greece in his day. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's easy to underestimate how much, how, how big of a contrast that is in a Greek mind. You know, poverty and low birth aren't really that embarrassing for People today, if they're successful, you know, if you were just kind of a shepherd or, a, you know, working class, it's like, it's not really a hit against you at all in our democratic day. But, you know, for noble people in antiquity, this was a, a real, I don't know, it was a hit against you. It was a real striking thing to say in Agathocles' time. But, you know, you could certainly do what Agathocles did, remind people of your humble background I think maybe there are other equivalents that you can come up with because, you, you know, the point here is to try to mix in a little bit of, uh, you know, self-chiding, self-insult even that balances out praise for yourself. That's actually probably uh, different enough from, from the, the Pericles example to count as number four. So that, that was a bonus. So let's summarize those ways to praise yourself inoffensively. Number one, when you face misfortune, as we saw with Phocian and Themistocles, Number two, give credit to the gods or to, to luck, like Sulla. Number three, adjust a compliment. Pericles kind of combines strategy number two in a way. He says, you can attribute a lot of my accomplishments to luck, but you know he was particularly proud of not executing any 
as enemies. And then number four, let's call it mixing a little bit of fault that's not degrading or ignoble beside the praise that you get from other people or, or especially from yourself. So that's all for today. Some great lessons from some great men. Some you already know, some that you will know soon as you join me in this project, go through the lives of history's greatest leaders and men of action, the heroes from Plutarch's lives. Thanks for listening. Stay strong. Stay ancient. This is Alex Petkus. Until next time.